Hello and welcome to the NLCC Sermon Podcast. In a moment, we'll listen in on a message from our Sunday morning worship service. But first, if this is your first time tuning into NLCC, we would love for an opportunity to get to know you and walk with you in your faith journey. If you're interested in connecting with this church, head to our website, northliberty.cc, and hit the I'm New button or use the links in the description. Our goal is to help you experience the transformational power of God in your life. And we hope and pray that you find that in this message. Morning, church. On all my trips to Mexico or Panama, uh, Israel, the DR, and other places, our missionary leader or our guide would tell us up front not to give uh, any uh, gifts to anyone, including children, uh, like tips or gifts, and, and in some places not even to make eye contact with uh, people who ask for some kind of handout. And they would t- tell us to wait until that end of the day, or if we're there for a full week, to wait until the end of the week. Uh, and and th- when he first shared that, I was a little, you know, like, what? That didn't make any sense to me at the start of all this kind of, these kind of trips. Uh, and, and he said that if you do, you better have enough for everybody on that first day. Be careful what you give out uh, by the end of the day or the end of the week, because if not, you will become the target of everybody in those areas, knowing that the people that are visiting from another country are there, and they'll give you whatever you want. And so they said you need to hold off until, the, like I said, the end of the day or the end of the week. And, and that reality is not reserved for third world countries. I've experienced the same in the United States where, we, uh, where there are people begging for money. There, and this is a real problem for me because I, I was taught that when you see a need or you hear about a need, then you do your best to meet that need. And the reason that most missionaries or guys tell you not to do that on the first day, it goes much deeper than any kind of financial request. And I think most of us know that if you look at someone, uh, it becomes a lot easier for them to engage you in a conversation, and then it becomes harder for you to say no or wait. And when I was in Israel, our guide gave us some instructions as we were driving into Bethlehem, which is on the other side of the border in Palestine, and we drive past these huge border walls, barbed wire fence, and guards with machine guns, and and they told us not to engage anyone uh, asking for help or wanting to sell anything, and make sure you never find yourself alone in Bethlehem. And as a group, uh, we went into a Christian uh, uh, souvenir shop, and then right next door was a place that we were supposed to have lunch. And while we're in there, I'm still kind of looking around, trying to find you know, gifts for everybody. And most of our group had left and went to the restaurant next door, and I wasn't paying much attention. There was a couple of us in there. But I ended up coming out by myself. And when I came out by myself, there were three Palestinian men standing there with, with stuff in their hands. And, they, and I didn't know what they were saying, you know, and, and they just, they were talking so fast. And, and I was, I just made a beeline to our tour bus so I could drop off the stuff that I had purchased to bring home. And when I came back out, uh, one of the guys, they, they hit me hard. They come right, got right in my face and started, you're an Amer- rich American. You should give us money. You should, you should buy this stuff to provide food for my family. So they're trying to tug at my heartstrings to, to purchase their items. And I, and I, I said, I, I don't have any, I, you know, I didn't have the money that he wanted. Because all it was, I was so mad. He threw, he actually threw the package at me. And I've got it in my hand. He says, now you own it. And you owe me 70 American dollars. 
And it was for these, it was five little magnets, refrigerator magnets, 70 bucks. I said, I'm not paying you 70 bucks. I know what these things cost in America, you know, 50 cents if that. And, and he, he started guilt, you know, guilting me again to, to pour, put money into it. And I said, I've got 30 bucks. I wanted out of there. I was getting nervous. And so I gave him my 30 bucks. I walked away, and the other two guys were trying to sell me their items. And I just ignored them and went into the restaurant. I'm thinking, gosh, I don't have any money left to buy my lunch. And thank God that the lunch that day was provided by the tour guide. And so I was able to eat. But that's the reason they tell you not to find yourself alone or start buying things unless you have other people around who know what they're talking about. They, they, that's why they do this. That's, that's why they, they warn you about situations like this. Um, we, in Acts chapter 3, we're going to see another encounter uh, that Peter and John had with a beggar. And when you think about standing up and taking the lead by helping others move forward, you usually don't think of, of you know, purchasing things and, and giving money to people uh, like, like that and, and, and showing compassion at the same time and how they work together in settings like that, but they actually do. You may not like it at times. I know I don't, but Peter, uh, he, he did both here. He stood up and he took the bull by the horns while at the same time he showed compassion to those who were struggling in life. And his example is one of seeing people as human beings created in the image of God. And because of that, he was able to help others experience God's love through compassion, paving the way for that person to hear the good news of Jesus Christ instead of watching Christians turn a blind eye to an obvious need that people have. Now, being in Israel, that wasn't an obvious need. They just wanted to sell product. And I, I got caught on pretty quickly. That's all they wanted to do. And it was kind of irritating me. But I, I did it anyway just to feel safe and get out of that particular area. But take a listen to Peter and John's experience here and what they saw with their own eyes. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 3. We're starting in verse 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. A man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. This is a gate on the eastern wall of, of the old city of Jerusalem, and it's uh, all uh, encased now because when the Muslims back in, in the day uh, conquered Israel, they, they sealed up that door, that gateway, because that's supposed to be the gateway that Jesus is supposed to return and enter into the city of Jerusalem again. And so they seal it up, and then they put a Muslim cemetery out front of it to keep any Jew from having any kind of top contact with the dead. And, and it's it's just kind of a weird setting how they all they did this but here the, he's at the, the, the this gate called beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts and when he saw Peter and John about to enter he asked them for money and Peter looked at him as did John and then Peter said look at us and so the man gave them his attention expecting to get something in return and Peter and John knew that there were three prayer uh, times through the course of a typical Jewish day which is a good habit for all of us to be in as well and at the start of this story it's kind of obvious that someone else was showing compassion to this man uh, for this guy to even be sitting at the, the temple gate there I mean how else did he get there right somebody carried him there so why do you think he wanted to be placed outside the temple gate well, this man, along with all the other crippled beggars, figured that anyone who would take the time to pay, pray three times a day might be just a little more generous and compassionate to their need. And so Luke, being the author of Acts, he was also a doctor, so he knew what he was talking about when he said this man was crippled from birth. His need was obvious, but it's not always that simple, is it? The problem that most of us have is that we see people and their need as interruptions, from our daily routine 
Every, everyone has questions about faith and about life, and many will have needs that will demand, uh, will demand time and attention. And you just look at Jesus' ministry. If it weren't for his interruptions, he would not have had much of a, a ministry here. His life was always interrupted by those who were in need. Jesus is constantly being stopped everywhere he goes and asked some type of deep spiritual question or someone needing healing or someone who needed encouragement, food, or love. And Jesus always took the time to help them. And that is what ministering to people is all about. I have had many over the years tell me that nobody would want their job because it's stressful and, and tiresome. And the same is true of any job. You talk to anybody, they're going to tell you the same thing. And it's, and it's true of ministry. Because there have been a few times that I didn't want to be doing what I'm doing. Last week, though, when I got home, uh, Miss Terry was there. Uh, and and we, got, we started talking about church and this and that. And, and she started crying. Now, typically, she only cries when I walk into the room and she just misses me, you know, that kind of a thing. <laughs> but she started crying, and i I like, What's, what are you crying for? Yeah, you know, I'm a guy. I just ask those stupid questions. And, and she goes, Tim, what's been going on in church? The, the worship, the baptisms that we've been praying about. We've been praying for God to stir the waters, and he's been stirring the waters. God's been answering our prayers, people. Right? Amen? Let's hear something. And, and she goes, the Holy Spirit's been working. Now, she's coming at it from more of an emotional per perspective, and I'm just coming at you know, from a numbers perspective, which is bad on my part. But, but at the same time, I know what she was saying. And this is what's taking place here in this particular story. Again, there have been times I didn't want to be in ministry, uh, not because I, can't, I, I can get burned out and, and discouraged like everybody else, but because there are so many people demanding time. And, and those people, uh, who, th those same people are unwilling to give their time to somebody else who might be in need. But, and if we're honest, when you, when you, when you need a minister or a friend's time, you want it now, Right? You want it now. Your problem, your need is the most important thing in your mind. Nothing else should matter to anyone else. And if they don't respond the way you want and when you want, what happens? You get upset. You think that they don't care about you, which is the furthest thing from the truth. We, we, because we do care, but we only have 24 hours in a day, and we face the same kind of problems everybody else does in life. We're all in the same boat called life. Sometimes overlooking the needs of others happens because we haven't conditioned our hearts or, or trained ourselves to be sensitive to those things. Sometimes people ignore others due to apathy and, and selfishness. And James, the brother of Jesus, he writes this in his letter, what good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith, uh, but he has no works, he has no deeds, can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food and one of you says to them, oh, go in peace, be warm. Let the spirit of God be upon you and you know, be warmed and filled, but you don't do anything for that person's physical needs. James asks, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if no action, is dead, he says. It's useless. Hearing and seeing the same thing every day can produce indifference if we are not careful. Passing by the person, the same person, or people standing on the corner of, of, of Ireland and Michigan Street begging for money, begging for food, in, in, in time their presence becomes unnoticed. Or, or to, truth be told, we don't care anymore. We drive by and we got our windows up and we just say, get a job. Ah, see... That's what we do. 
You become so involved in your own pursuits and problems that it becomes easy to overlook the needs of others. This wasn't the case for Peter and John. They, they, they not only talked to this man, they looked at him. They made eye contact with him. They respected him and gave him worth. And I hope that parents are still teaching their children that when they're having a conversation with another adult or anybody, they look at them in the eye because that continues to teach them how to be respectful and it helps them become successful in life by treating other people with respect. It says in 3-4 that Peter and John looked straight at him. And I bet that wasn't the norm for him. Most people look away from uh, what they consider interruptions or headaches. Do, do, do you know what typically happens when you show compassion to others? While you may be blessing them, more oftentimes than not, you are the one who ends up being blessed. That's the truth of the message of God. You give. It's better to give than to receive, but we always receive God's blessings when we do what we're supposed to. I, I've shared with you many times how thankful I am for my, my daughter, Jennifer, who is now 35 years old, and she still has cerebral palsy, praying every day for it to be removed. I've prayed so many times that God would take my legs, not physically my legs, but give my strength to her, and I would, I'd spend the rest of my days in a wheelchair just so that she could get up and walk. It hasn't happened. But this experience for me has deepened my faith and my love for Christ. Not got me angry with God. I'm not going to blame God for stuff like that. That's just absurd, right? And if I had no Jennifer, would I still understand Christ's compassion and love for those who are in some kind of uh, distress or, or disabled? Would I understand that bad things do happen to good people? If Jen uh, wasn't a part of my life, would I have, have known most of the, the Disney and, and Little House on the Prairie movies by heart? But... <laughs> I mean, she, she knows it. I'm like, ah, you know. Uh, would I be a big fan of Michael W. Smith or Michael Jackson? Would, would I wonder why people think all disabled people are hard of hearing? Hey, Jen! She's not hard of hearing. Would I wonder if people in a wheelchair wish they could wear out just one pair of shoes in their lifetime? If I had no Jennifer, would I still have the peace that comes from knowing God? He's in control. And that all things happen for the good of those who love him. He knows what he's doing. That Jen has been more of a blessing than the world could ever imagine. And you ask any parent with a special needs kid. It's emotionally draining it's physically draining, but they are a blessing. This experience has allowed me to be more perceptive uh, to the lessons God has for those who show compassion to those in emotional or spiritual and physical distress. Paul even wrote in his letter, Praise be to the God of Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the same with the same comfort we receive from God himself. For just as the suffering of Christ flows uh, over into our lives, so also Christ, uh, uh, our, uh, through Christ our comfort overflows into other people's lives. 
That's what Jesus did for us. He set the example. He showed compassion to us, and we're supposed to send that on to somebody else. This message here in Corinthians is telling us to use what we've experienced or have and share it. I mean, why did this crippled beggar ask for money? Because it's easier to ask people for cash than to ask them to go out of their way to you know, get clothes for them or find housing or go buy a lunch for them or, or take them out for dinner, a friendship and time. Last year, I was doing my usual thing. I was at Walmart. And uh, some of you think I live there. I don't. <laughs> but uh, I was getting something. And, and when I walked out of the store, I saw this guy going to everybody that was walking out. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, please let me get to my car fast. And so I'm on my way to my car to avoid this guy, and it was like God put me in slow motion. <laughs> and this guy was flash. He was there. He was there before I got 100 feet from my car. I think, how did you do that? But he asked for money, and I said, I don't have any money. I said, tell you what, i got a couple errands to do, and I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A for lunch, and I'll buy you something. Tell me what you want. Oh, and he, he told me. I said, I'll be back in about 30 minutes. And... Uh, I came back, he was still going around the parking lot, and I said, hey, you remember me? He goes, yeah, I never expected you back. You know how many times that guy was probably told, I'll be back, and they never showed up? Verse 6 says, and Peter said, silver or gold I don't have, but what I do have I'm going to give to you all in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Get up and walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he, he followed them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who was sitting at the gate of, of the gate beautiful, begging uh, every day, recognizing this was a man who was born this way. And it says they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Peter and John told this man they didn't have a penny to their name, but what they did have, they gave him, and they kept their word. When you tell somebody you're going to do something for them, you better do it, because you're representing Jesus Christ. The odd thing is that Peter and John don't go around healing everybody there. I mean, this place is full of hurting people with all kinds of disabilities waiting, if you will, on an angel to come and stir the waters that took place uh, with Jesus and a layman at the place called Bethesda uh, at the, the, the Sheep's Gate, right? They're, they're waiting for the waters to move, and that's why they hung out at these places hoping for something, hoping for something that, uh, from these people that are going to go into this temple and pray three times a day. And so, 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 so they heal this man, and that's it. They don't give him what he wanted, which was money. They gave him what he needed. Church family, there are hurting people all around us, and we all need to be showing compassion. And just like Peter and John, it's not always uh, something for which you can plan ahead because the, the Christian must be on guard looking for situations where compassion can make the, a world of difference in one person's life. My, my word of encouragement to you is this. Don't get caught up in what you can't do. Do what you can don't make excuses to not stand up and take some kind of lead by, by setting a Christ-like example for individuals. If you, if you were to do these, what these two men did, see a need and do what you can. Do the best that you can and show some love in the name of Jesus Christ. Those are the times that Jesus' name is being lifted high amongst the world. And they're going to respond to that. It's not just 
the disabled or the homeless who need compassion. Because I know there's people in this room that are filled with hurt. And they just want somebody to have a heart of Jesus. People all around us are hurting inside and are praying for someone to express some love and compassion. Remember Jesus' words in John, or Matthew chapter 20, the Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And when you have the courage to stand, please make sure you do what you're doing with a heart of humility so that Jesus is the one who is being honored and not your egos. In verse 11, he says, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called the Solomon's Colonnade. And all the people came running. And when Peter saw this, he said to the men of Israel, he kind of stopped them in their tracks. Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. What did he do just then? We talked about this last week. He took them back to the word of God. He took them back to what they knew intellectually. But they needed to start developing it here. They, they just shared God's word. He says, you handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy One and the Righteous One and asked that a murder be released to you. You killed the author of life, and God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and, and know was made strong. It's in Jesus' name and, and faith that comes through him that has given the complete healing to him. And you all get to see it. I mean, Peter is being brutal here. He doesn't flip and care about their feelings. He calls them out. You killed the, the, the author of life. But he also wanted to make sure that their attention was drawn to Jesus so that he got all the praise and glory, not them. Now, I think it's important to make sure you pat someone on the back when they do some good because, you know, uh, it, it helps create a good spirit and encourages a person to keep doing the good that they are doing. So it's okay to, you know, congrat or, you know, pat somebody, thank them for whatever. And, and I wonder if Peter and John communicated this because of what Jesus taught them back in, in Mark chapter 9 where he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. So whatever you do, you do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Because when that happens, Jesus is lifted up and God is going to bless you. It may not always be in this life, but be assured, something better is coming, right? Back in 2007, I got a call from uh, the Navajo uh, Indian Reservation that we used to go to, the youth group in Dilkin, Arizona. A young man that lived there on the reservation by the name of Jay um, called me, and he, he remind, remembered our group being there in 2000. So this was seven years earlier. And he said that he remembered, again, the Christ-like example uh, that this group from northern Indiana set for he and some of the other kids that lived there in the orphanage there. And he said that, that the, the whole group, and there was about 30 of us, um, we had so much fun working together. It was 100 and some degrees there. You know, it was just as hot back in 2000 as it is today. Uh, there, the heat, the, we were worshiping and eating together, just having a blast. And, and he called because he didn't know who else to reach out to, to because his grandma needed some help. I'm thinking, why are you calling way up here? But, but I, I checked out his story, and it was legit. Talked to the, the missionaries there on, on site. And, and we, the church helped them out with what we could, but, but that contact happened because a group, a, a group of youth, teenagers, cared enough to help a stranger uh, seven years prior to this moment. 
and they're 2,000 miles away. I mean, how, could you, how can you show compassion and love of Christ so that he alone gets all the praise and the credit, all the glory? Just be Jesus to him. Jesus was pretty good at showing compassion and teaching his disciples to do the same. We have the written word. We have no excuse. But it's kind of interesting that most of the time you see Jesus having compassion for people, it's always followed up with the word and, A-N-D, and. Jesus had compassion and he healed the woman. Jesus had compassion and he did something for someone else. And in Luke chapter 7, he saw a funeral procession for a, 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 a widow uh, who lost her son. She had already lost her husband, now her son. And, 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 and it says in verse 13, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he raised the young man from the dead. And so when you see others hurting for whatever reasons, does your heart ache like Jesus has did for them? You're not going to be able to raise somebody physically from the dead. But Jesus can, from spiritual death. You do what you're supposed to and let the Holy Spirit do what he needs to. It's one thing to say you feel bad for a young girl who had an abortion. It's compassion to give resources to help them when they decide to keep that little life. It's one thing to say you feel you know, sad for the homeless, but it's compassion to volunteer some time for the homeless shelter. And if you do, praise God for that. It's one thing to say you love your aging parents and grandparents, but it's, it's compassion to help them uh, help with the care that they need and regularly visit them and go the extra mile uh, as they did for you when you were dependent upon them. Goes back to the Corinthian passage. The way you were taught, your needs met, you pass on to somebody else. Could our spiritual influence on family and others improve if we were to see forgotten people through the eyes of Jesus Christ? In, in Southland um, Christian Church in Lexington, Kentucky, this was taking place when I was still in college, uh, they have something called the Jesus Prom uh, each year. And it's a prom for those who have special needs and they're not you know, invited to things like that, let alone any kind of activity. And it's a highlight of the year for them. And some people in the church tried to stop it from happening. Well, we can't have that there. It's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin the church building, you know, kind of thing. And then you had non-believers try to make issue uh, with, you know, saying that the church was simply trying to uh, manipulate families to grow their tithing base. And th this program has grown from just a few attendees to over a couple thousand special guests. And it's still going strong today. This e e event is where Tim Tebow and his ministry got his idea for, uh, for the name Night to Shine because they met with the leaders down there and they came up with this plan. This is the program that we started ours from and it's still going strong. It's a beautiful story that continues to grow and meet the needs of others who are typically forgotten. And, and it's a kind of story and event that Jesus loves to hear about. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, when you give luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers and relative or, or your rich neighbors if you do, they may invite you back so that you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. That's the kind of promise I want to receive from my Lord. Church, who's on your guest list at your next party? your holiday gathering, your cookout? Who, who, who are you showing compassion to in the name of Jesus Christ? 
When, when you choose to honor Christ, make sure that he receives all the praise and glory. And if we do, Jesus makes a promise to us in John chapter 12, if or when I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. He was specifically talking about being raised up on the cross and everybody taking notice and, and drawing people to that. But it also can imply this as well. When we lift Jesus up, people are drawn to him. And isn't that what we want? I don't want people to be part of North Liberty Church of Christ just to be part of North Liberty Church of Christ. I want them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when that happens, then the church becomes stronger. And at this point, at th th this is the point, or this should be the goal of everybody who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, to, to make the most of every opportunity to point people to Jesus. Peter is a master at this. He says in verse 17, and he's, he's continuing with another sermon he's preaching. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance. Yeah, he calls them out, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all of the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins will be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he, talking about Jesus, or God, that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to, to restore everything as he promised long ago through, the, through his holy prophets. Again, another promise from God. When we lift Jesus up, we're, we're honoring God in all things, and God's gonna, he's gonna, his, how many of you think that we're, you know, the times are, the end times are near? I, I, I think they're there, and I know every generation thinks the same thing, but I, and I'm one of them. But would you, shouldn't you be ready for that moment? Stop making excuses. Get ready. Because he might be back tomorrow. He, Peter continues by quoting Moses and Samuel and, and, and in the conversation that God had with Abraham. And like always, he brings everything back to Jesus. So in verse 26, he says, When God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. So could God be calling you to stand up and take the lead in areas of, of compassion and by doing so, you just might be helping others run or, 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 or move away from their wickedness. That's part of your responsibility as a believer in Jesus. Know that the opposite, though, of compassion is not hatred. A lot of people think that. It's apathy. It's, it's indifference. Jesus said in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city on, on a hill uh, cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a, on a stand for everybody in the house to see. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they will see your good deeds. And praise who? Praise your Father in heaven. Everything we do is about bringing honor to God. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible for us to become followers of Christ and then hide from the world by locking ourselves in our safe places. My parents were generous people. They helped a lot of people. They gave a lot of money away. In fact, they, they gave their kids inheritance away, and we saw it, okay? And I don't have a problem with that because my, my parents loved the Lord, and they loved helping people. Uh, but, but, you know, that's one of the reasons I have to work until I die. But that's okay. <laughs> but the one thing I always notice about my parents, when they gave money, when they gave food, whatever, to whomever they, who was in need, they always made eye, eye contact with these people. My dad didn't just drop by, or drop money in a, in a cup and walk away. He didn't just mail something, you know, anonymous. He did that with brothers and sisters in Christ, but when it came to somebody outside of Christ, he made eye contact. 
He had a personal contact with him. And you know why? Because he was able to sit down and talk to them about his story and how God transformed him. That's what your story is to be used for. To honor Jesus. Talk about how Jesus transformed you. Stop talking about the bride, of, the bride of Christ in negative terms or Jesus or God and start talking about how Jesus transformed you and brought you to the place where you are at today. And when you display compassion, you display God's love. Peter and John do not ignore this man. They stood up in the name of Jesus and, and, and to ignore simply means to refuse to take notice or close your eyes to. And the, the church needs to stop closing its eyes. I know it's hard sometimes to love, uh, to show love to people that you don't think deserve it. But guess what, church? We didn't deserve it either. And it's not our call. We do what God tells us to do. God has placed a person, a situation, knowledge of a need in your life, and you are supposed to respond. That's your moment to stand and shine. And I know it's difficult to stand up and do something that you've never done before, but, but those moments, those opportunities are God-appointed times for you to do so because you can't just sit there, right? It probably won't be as dramatic as this story. Sometimes it may be a quiet moment between you and the other individual. Sometimes it may uh, be in an area that you think you have no skills, but a person needs the help nonetheless, and you happen to be it in that moment. It's usually a split-second decision where you get to follow the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life. It doesn't, again, have to be a homeless person, a crippled person. In your case, it, it, the, the, the one who needs to receive some kind of compassion may be your rotten boss a spouse who constantly disrespects you, a dying parent, an intolerant atheist, or a difficult neighbor. Because 2,000 years ago, God demonstrated his love uh, through some serious compassion to a world that didn't deserve it. He did something about our need. He stood up and he paid a high price for our sins, and that price was the blood of his son. And he, he, he died for you, he died for me, and he died for them. And they don't know about it yet. If they have, they haven't had a good example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so the church needs to stop sitting there and start talking about Jesus, start sharing Jesus. Because he, he, knows, uh, he knows your name, he knows your life story, he knows everything about you, and yet he still loved you. And he loves the world, the people of the world. And it's our responsibility, our duty, to share to advance to proclaim that love let's get ready to stand and worship our god and i'm telling you what's been ha happening here i pray that we continue to see this kind of stuff uh, because that's the holy spirit's moving it's, we're not getting we're not actively searching these people out they're calling us and it's because god's moving in their lives and when you use your mouth to honor jesus instead of complaining about the non-essentials when we lift up the name of Jesus, God moves. Isaiah said that his word will never return void. And when God's people are speaking his word, God promises to bring blessings. Let me pray for you. Lord God, we thank you again for this day. I thank you again for a couple of new sisters in Christ. We love you, Father, for your moving.
uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we know that that power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, and it's the same power that we have in our lives today. And so we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be fearful. We, we, you have given us a spirit of boldness, of power, of love and compassion. And I pray, Father, that we will speak your words. Be with the church as we leave this place shortly, Father, after, after we once again start uh, worshiping and celebrating our life with you. And I pray, Father, that you will be honored by the things that come out of our mouth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you found value in this message, then we want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, then please share it with them. NLCC has another podcast called The Other Six where we discuss what it looks like to have an everyday faith on the other six days of the week. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts or there's a video version on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening in and participating with us. We look forward to doing this again with you next week.